dogs make the best companions for humans, this podcast aims to help make humans better companions for their dogs. Welcome to the Baru Podcast, a modern lifestyle podcast for dogs and their people. I'm your host, Charlotte Bain. I've been caring for other people's dogs for more than 15 years. And while I've learned a lot in my career, I definitely don't know it all. So I've collected an ever-evolving roster of amazing dog people, and I learn new things from them all the time. Hi, you guys. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Baru Podcast. In this episode, I am joined by world-renowned integrative veterinarian, Dr. Marty Goldstein. Dr. Marty has been considered the pioneer of integrative veterinary medicine. He has been combining conventional practices with alternative treatments like vitamins, supplements, and health-oriented dietary modifications for over four decades. He's authored two best-selling books, The Nature of Animal Healing, and his newest book, The Spirit of Animal Healing. And he shares with us his journey into integrative veterinary medicine, including all the criticism he's faced throughout his career. We also chat about some pretty controversial topics, such as over-vaccination and processed pet foods. And we touch on the best ways that we can advocate for our pet's health. So let's just jump into this really lovely chat. First of all, I so appreciate you jumping on and chatting with me because this is really exciting. I have uh, raised my dog Chance holistically pretty much since he had a lot of gut issues at about a year old. I adopted when he was a year and we went through the ringer on finding the right foods. He had been... um, he had, he had was bleeding in his gut. He was bleeding in his colon. Like he had all these things, and we couldn't get it right. And they kept giving him antibiotics and and all the things until I s- spoke with someone who was like, "Why don't you try a raw diet?" Because um, we tried the fanciest of foods, the fanciest of everything, cooked food, all the things. <laughs> couldn't get it. Couldn't get it right. Um, and immediately he was good to go with that diet for. 12, the 12 years of his life. He's 15 now, still going strong. Um, wow. Yeah. We, awesome. and at 12, I switched him to a cooked diet, like a warm, a warmer foods. And um, he's still thriving. But so. Yeah, which is very smart. Yeah. Through. So we, um, so I'm really excited to chat with you because you were really like kind of the pioneer of integrative and holistic veterinary medicine, I would say. Um, you have been doing, you've been combining allopathic and holistic veterinary medicine for what, like 40 some odd years, maybe? Uh, in two weeks, it will be 50 years since I graduated Cornell. Business. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. So you are, that's fantastic. And I've been doing alternatives probably 48 of those 50 years. Wow. So <laughs> what was the, what pushed you in the direction of alternative medicine? Because Usually I've found, you know, there's usually a trigger, like something, your dog is sick or you don't feel good or something's going on that you are really um, inspired to seek alternative treatments because what you're doing at the time is not working, right? So, Yeah, it, it was fear and vanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was losing my own health genetically. No. It, you know, runs on my mother's side of the family. All the males on that side had the same conditions they are all long dead. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I had the same condition. So I searched, you know, holistic medicine didn't exist per se in 1973, 1974. Right. So I just searched for things that medicine didn't offer me, you know, highly trained in medicine. You know, in the beginning years, I was number two in my class in, in vet school. So I knew yeah. medicine really well. But, you know, injections of long-acting cortisone into my arthritic or brasidic shoulder. It was like, uh, I'm not doing that, even though I was taught to do that for dogs. Right, right. And then, you know, by luck, I stumbled upon a book on Eastern philosophy and nutrition. I was always fat, believe it or not. And I, it had answers in it that I was kind of searching for subconsciously, And when I started a macrobiotic diet 
and got away from the junk I was eating, I suddenly, for the first time in my life, lost weight and my arthritis signs went away. And it was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the light bulb went off. If this worked for me, what am I feeding? Well, what are we feeding our own companion animals and my clients' companion animals? So we started to, to feed a concept a, an amazing concept called real food mm-hmm. <laughs> to our dogs and cats. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, they turned around, their, their chronic illnesses turned mm-hmm. around. And then I went to share it. And <clears throat> that's when the condemnation, threats to my license, ridicule, criticism. You want to count the arrow holes in my back that I went right. through for 35 years? And now the tides the turning. You know, I became certified in acupuncture. In the mid-70s. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And that's when the downfall hit. You know, Goldstein sticking needles into animals. Right. He used to be a good veterinarian. What happened to him? Right. Now, 68% of the vet schools uphold and teach or get certified in acupuncture. Yep. <laughs> We're huge fans so, of acupuncture around here. I think that's really what's been keeping my guy so healthy, you know, for at 15 still. so, mm-hmm. And now it's covered by our... Their acupuncture is, is covered by um, their health insurance. So if you could fast forward all those years, you know, again, you're really, you're really pioneer. Um, so why do you think that it wasn't so widely? The interesting thing on that, yeah. on that subject uh, is the veterinarians, when I used to go to conferences mm-hmm. or when I used to lecture that walked out or criticized me, when I go to the continuing education courses now, and they are there, and they are now certified in acupuncture. Mm-hmm. They come up to me and said, you know, you were so ahead of your time. Mm-hmm. And my answer to that is acupuncture has been around for over 3,000 years. I'm not ahead of my time. I'm just 35 years less behind than you. It's time to wake up. Right. Exactly. <laughs> How long have herbs been here treating conditions in animals and humans? Thousands of years. Mm-hmm. How long have drugs been here? A century? No, a hundred years, eighty years. I mean, it's you know. So you know, we're just getting back to the basics of literally how nature and the earth is supposed to heal the body. Right. It's no big deal. Right. It's no rocket science. So, how, why do you think that it wasn't so? Why do you think that people can't make the connection between, or weren't willing to? Uh, back when you started and even today still they're still having a hard time wrapping around wrapping their heads around the the concept of healthy foods for our dog if we've if we've we've welcomed that for ourselves we've made the connection for ourselves but we really haven't been able to wrap that wrap our minds around eating healthy fresh foods for our dogs as well and for our pet companions well the vet schools the educational system mm-hmm are subsidized by the drug companies and the pet food in the, the pet food industry. Mm-hmm. And you got to realize that a big majority of the modern day pet food industry is closely linked to the cereal industry. Mm-hmm. You know, the number one selling food of all time, obviously, is Purina. Mm-hmm. Purina started in 1897. It was called the Danforth Corporation. In 1901, they switched their name to Ralston Purina. Ralston is a cereal company. For humans, it makes wheat checks, rice checks, and corn checks. I did not know so, that. So, yeah. unfortunately, we put a false foundation of science behind the testing and feeding of companion animals and a lot of the big-time foods, you know, in the sales of billions of dollars, have been 50 to up to 64% processed cereal byproducts. Mm. And... You know, even though the dog is considered the omnivore Mm -hmm. and it can eat that kind of food, the cat is the obligate carnivore. I mean, show me one tooth in a dog or cat's mouth flat for grinding cereal and grain. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame because it's one of the, the major culprits in the at least tripling of the incidence of cancer that I've witnessed since I graduated Cornell. And, you know, when I graduated, it was approximately one out of 10 dogs got cancer. And it was always a disease of the old. So if we saw a young dog with a lump, we eliminated the possibility of cancer based solely on age. In recent statistics, which I, 
you know, wrote in my recent book, you know, the spirit of animal healing that in the chapter on pet food, it goes through the entire history of the pet food industry. There was a study that shows in the United States, one out of every 1.61 dogs will get cancer now. And it used to be one out of 10. That's crazy. So why did it almost quadruple or, or triple? Bad luck? No, there's no fun- fundamentals of healthcare taught in vet school. It was a disease diagnosis drug institute. And that's what I learned how to do. Right. Right. And we're, Period. we're seeing cancer at all ages in our dogs. It's not in the old. I mean, I have clients who are as young as, you know, two, and I'm sure there's even younger that we're seeing instances of cancer in that we haven't seen before. So you think that the pri- primarily, the primary reason behind the, the health issues that we're having and we're seeing in our pets now is coming from the processed foods that they're eating. Uh, if, if you want to go primary mm-hmm. and if you want to get into it a little. Sure. Then the number one immune suppressive act okay. that we as veterinarians do uh-huh. is what has been accepted as the standardized protocols for vaccinations. Okay. I'm not anti-vaccination. Right. And I am anti, like I said in in my documentary. I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary. I watched the documentary yesterday. Yep. (laughs) And as I said in there, I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm pro-sanity. So the fact that we are humbling these dogs and cats, the same dose for the Great Dane is given to the Chihuahua. There is full scientific documentation coming from the vet school university level that the minimum duration of protection from these vaccines mm-hmm. giving standardly up to one year of age is seven to 15 years, which is the lifetime. Mm-hmm. And we have been vaccinating dogs and cats every single year right. with all their puppyhood or kittenhood vaccines. It's recently changed to most veterinarians to every three years even though the science supports every you know, 7 to 15 years. And when people raise their eyebrows when I discuss this, right. I just look at them and say, when was your last polio shot? Right. And they chuckle and laugh. Right. When was your last chicken pox shot or measles shot? Yeah, when I was a kid. Right. So it's no different for them. And the, the unfortunate thing is the documented side effects and adverse reactions to these vaccines that are given unnecessarily are off the charts. Almost every disease associated with allergies and immune suppression mm-hmm. are secondary to these vaccines. So you take a six-pound dog that's 11 years old, you know the chance of that dog getting any of the puppyhood disease is way less than you winning the Powerball lottery and you hit that dog with four or five different vaccine components that is up to 10 times what the Great Dane needs. And, you know, to me, it's just medical malpractice, but it's done three to four times a second in the United States. And why do you think that that's, why do you think, first I want to say, just to be clear for the pet parents listening who have never really thought about this, um, as you said before, you're not anti-vaccine. There are puppies, puppies need their core vaccines, but there has been an issue with over vaccination. They're recommending them. They're recommending you get these same shots every year and you just, and and our dogs don't necessarily need them or it's a case by case basis. And do you want to talk about titer testing a little bit? Because I know there's now titer testing. Yeah. yeah, You took the words out of my mouth because we do now have the scientific ability to take a blood test and test dogs and cats for the diseases they're standardly vaccinated for. And if that blood test shows there is an immunity, don't vaccinate. I mean, how much more simplistic can you get? And what's even more astounding is that the only real vaccine that's federally and state mandated to be given all the time is the rabies vaccine. Rabies is a horrible disease. In 50 years, I've never seen a case. 
doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But there was a study done in France that was replicated by what's called the Rabies Challenge Fund by Dr. Gene Dodds mm -hmm. at the University Vet School in Madison, Wisconsin. And they went up to five years showing that all dogs standardly vaccinated up to one year of age, when a titer was taken, they had protection. And when they were challenged with live rabies virus, none of them got the disease. The only reason the French study went eight years. The only reason this study went five years is the USDA ran out of live rabies virus to keep the study going. And that study is in the literature. So if that's showing that the minimum duration of protection from rabies vaccines is five years, why are we vaccinating every three, two or one years with the rabies vaccine, which again is up to 10 times the dose that the great thing needs to challenge its immune system. So it's all insanity, but it's accepted. It, you know, it, it's one of the foundations. It is maybe the foundation of veterinary medicine. And finally, it's starting to slowly change and shift, but it's right. way too slow. So I'm on the bandwagon just to say, don't stop vaccinating. Don't be anti-vaccine, but just look at the science behind vaccination protocols and just question it if you disagree or if your veterinarian is not agreeing with you or ready to kick you out of their practice because you're not giving your dog a vaccine that your dog doesn't need. They have to have no really? underlying like infections or anything else. Like even if you take your dog in for like an ear infection. I mean, I have I have to say that I have really great vets, both my my holistic, I think, holistic vet and my uh, my regular old allopathic vet, you know, if even if he has like an ear infection or something, there's they won't do a vaccination or anything like that, right? But there are some that do, correct? They're not some. There are mm -hmm. many and the reason they're giving the vaccine is not because their pet needs it or the fact that whether they're sick or not, it's because, like I said in the documentary, they're due by the calendar. The calendar right. does not govern the immune system of each individual animal. No two snowflakes right. are the same. Do you think the cellular structure of every dog is identical to the next dog? So... If worse comes to worse, have a tighter run. And if the tighter shows your dog or cat's immune system is protected against that disease, don't, they won't accept the tighter for the rabies vaccine, but you can actually get exemptions, especially if there's illness. That when I lectured at my alma mater at Cornell that we used to film for the documentary, I actually presented a case of a dog that had Lyme disease, Ehrlichia, and a highly malignant tumor of the rectum. And the veterinarian who referred the dog to the specialty facility to handle the cancer and those diseases gave the dog five or six different vaccine components because the dog was due. And on the label of every vaccine, it says intended for use in healthy animals only. So that is pure medical malpractice, but it's done every second in the United States. I've seen thousands and thousands of animals that were vaccinated when they were sick. I go back in their record. They've already spent forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars before they came to me for diseases that are non-responsive. And I go back in the record and I see that the dog was fine mm -hmm. until it was vaccinated three or four weeks before the first disease symptom showed up. That's the other problem with the vaccine is that there's a delay type immunologic response from the vaccines are given to when the disease symptoms, the seizures, the allergies, the tumor growth show up. And it's just such a shame. I just highly recommend, you know, I wrote a book 23, 24 years ago, the nature of animal healing and you know what's so good about this and the joy of my life? We found out three weeks ago that this book is rated as the number one best-selling veterinary medicine book forever, which shocks me. It's not really a veterinary medicine book. But, and then the sequel, which I wrote in 2021, The Spirit of Animal Healing, 
is the updated version of that book that shows the science, shows the science of the health food industry, the pet food industry, and, you know, the vaccine uh, mm-hmm. things we just discussed. And I, I just want to, all I want to do in my life from now on forward, right. besides saving millions of animals, is just to get the truth out about healthcare and disease therapy. Not to go against them, just right. to help them along. Right. Right. Because that's that's what you do. I mean, you are an integrative veterinarian. You you do supportive therapies and you know, when you need to use out when you need to use modern uh, Western medicine, then you do, right? But but oh, I mean absolutely. I mean, my one thing, yeah, holistic medicine is not the opposite or the other side of the pole. Right. To conventional medicine, you have conventional medicine or allopathic medicine. You have alternative therapies. Mm-hmm. Holistic medicine is the umbrella. I didn't like, you know, the, the word holistic is very airy-fairy. Right. <laughs> and then it switched <laughs> from holistic to complementary medicine because they complement each other. And now we're in the wonderful world of integrative medicine. And someday I would just like it to be called Good medicine. <laughs> right. <laughs> Best of both worlds, what that patient needs. But because I was turning so many terminally ill animals around mm-hmm. and documenting them, you know, I built a national clinic. Mm-hmm. So we were seeing at the Smith Ridge Veterinary Center, that you saw in the, do- in the documentary, yeah. we were seeing at least 25 states of the United States mm-hmm. in our waiting room every single month because no one else was doing this. Right. And most of those animals came because they already failed medical therapy. So I wasn't going to start them back on a different course of medical therapy. Right. We stopped the drugs or weaned off the drugs and started on the alternatives. And I can't tell you how many cases that I have documented of dogs with weeks days, weeks, or months to live. Mm-hmm. And then we have them living on alternatives five, seven, nine years later with terminal cancer in wow. remission. And it's starting to open the eyes of the vet schools because I'm presenting the documented cases. Not me. Right. I'm presenting the true work as it right. should be. Do you want to share an example of, so people can you know understand really more what you do and what it looks like. So if I, you know, you, these people essentially, and I think we do this with our own health too. We, we don't seek out this kind of care until it's, we're desperate, right? And until we're at a point where nothing's working, you know, instead of integrating. Yeah. And and then we're learning how to do it with our, as we learn more about, you know, the gut microbiome and all the things about our own bodies. Like we're learning, we're learning to, to care on a daily basis versus when something goes wrong, then we rush to find all the things and, you know, try to treat it as best we can. But so when someone comes to you, what does that look like? Essentially, do you want to walk us through a case? Well, where we've lost track in conventional medicine is we don't really have a clue what nature in the immune system is doing in the body. So why does the body create disease? We look at disease as something bad that typically has to be treated and especially suppressed by drug therapy. So what is a fever? An aspirin deficiency condition? No. There is a reason for a discharge, for flaky skin, for fevers. There is a, you know, and I go through that in the book, is we actually define what disease is. And... What I've learned to do is to take animals, patients that have been going through so much drugged disease process, weed them off the drugs, put them on what are, you know supplements or nutraceuticals that support their immune system, and then monitor them and allow them to go through the disease process. And it takes a lot of experience to know what's truly disease and what's healing. And on the other side of that is called healing. And we've done it thousands of times. I can't tell you how many 
of mm-hmm. mine and my associates' patients that had terminal illness, as they were doing great mm-hmm. for months or even into years, and then suddenly developed a huge fever. And instead of stopping the fever because they were doing well, we stepped back. The fever went through the process, and then all of a sudden their tumor, two days later, shrunk in half. It's it's an amazing, miraculous experience, but it's not taught in vet school. And, you know, I said half the veterinarians, if they just heard what I said to you, would think I'm crazy. But nature, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, what I always say, and I'm blown away with how technologically advanced medicine has become. The CAT scans, the eye studies, the fact that we can go in biochemically and physiologically and determine every biochemical pathway in the body. And at each point, what the substance is in the body that makes this liver cycle digest a certain kind of food. It's mind-blowing that we scientifically figured out. But guess what? We didn't create it. Nature created it. We're just learning about it. So my definition in my last book of science in the field of, of medicine is man trying to figure out what nature created. Right. And when nature does something, and you go against that. You know what they say when you mess with Mother Nature. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's way too powerful. And you know what? Unfortunately, do you know what messing with Mother Nature in the field of medicine is called? Mm. Cancer. That's it. That's where it comes from. You know, and, you know, when veterinarians try to remove a tumor and get wide margins the best thing a wide margin can do is bring the patient back to the, the point before the first cancer cell appeared in the body. Where did that cancer cell come from? The garage? The Bronx? Mm-hmm. Or Brooklyn? Right. <laughs> no. It was a normal cell that went haywire. Right. So, you know, that's the whole misconception. And the more we adulterate and go against nature in the immune system – the more normal cells can go haywire and form tumors. So I just mm-hmm. gave you the multi-trillion dollar year answer to cancer. We've been looking for it. Three, four trillion dollars a year on the earth. The cure for cancer, you know what it's called? Health. God, if it wasn't for his tumor, he was in great shape. No. If it wasn't for his heart attack, he really looked good. No, you don't look good and be in great shape and die of a heart attack. It's an oxymoron. I mean, when it comes to pets, though, it's like it's about being mindful and and paying attention to even the small things, asking why it's going wrong. Like, why is this? Why is this dog acting this way, or or has a rash, or whatever? Not instead. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head. But you know, my number one piece of advice for all of those listening. Because they're not trained enough when the diseases get severe. So if, you know, if a, a terminal cancer patient that they're working on because they went on Google and found 16 supplements, all of a sudden develops mm-hmm. a fever or can't breathe. Right. It's not up to right. them to ask themselves, what is nature doing here? They should go and find, they should consult with their veterinarian and if their veterinarian is not willing to accept integrative medicine, then one of the number one sites is the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association, or AHVMA.org, has a listing right. of all the integrative veterinarians in all the cities and towns and states of the United States and Canada, what modality they practice, and they should consult with a professional that can help guide them through the proper treatment for their companion animal. Period. Right. Like you have not self-diagnosing and we're you have one. Yeah. Or two. We have we have about 15 different veterinarians. (laughs) 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 We have our acupuncture and rehab. We have our eye guy. We have our I love it. We have all the things all the things. So yeah. 
So, um, so, uh, so it's about, it's about advocating. I mean, it's about, um, you know, advocating for our animal and, and making sure we have kind of like the right team in place. I was going to ask you about, uh, how, how one would go about finding, um, a holistic veterinarian. I live in Los Angeles, so there's many. Yeah. I mean, you know, who cares about the sales, <laughs> but I saw this book that this book came out in 1999. And it's still selling like crazy. And it, you know, it's the one that I told you is now rated as the number one right. of all time. I mean, I thousands and thousands of people in the last almost 25 years have come up to me. And either with the book, with every page highlighted. where And they've learned mm-hmm. so much from this. And there is a chapter in this mm-hmm. book called The Healing Crisis on how to recognize the difference between a disease process and the healing mm-hmm. crisis, and then the updated version, because I've learned I've learned right. so much since I wrote and this I love- book. You know, so these two books would really right. help so so much uh, companion animal people out there understand right. what I'm talking about. Everybody in there should read these books. Every veterinarian should read this book. Yes, um, can you tell me Absolutely. what uh, the set your, the name of your second book again is? The Spirit of Animal Healing, right? What Correct. does that mean? I love it. It gives. It, it, it seems like it comes from a loving place, right? So, what does what does that mean? And why did you choose that name? Can I ask? Well, here's the question. It's how I started the book out. <laughs> you know, when I wrote the first book, it was the nature of animal healing, and nature had mm-hmm. two meanings. The, the nature in which the body heals. The doctor is not the healer. They're the guides. The immune system is the healer. Physician, right. heal thyself. You know, goes back to, you know, Hipp- Hippocrates. Mm-hmm. And then the spirit of animal healing, you know, it, it's so nature is the healing and the nature in which the body heals. I wanted to bring it, you know, the last line of the first book, and I'll continue to do this, you know, one pet after another, dog after dog, cat after cat. And then as 25 years went and passed, and then I, you know, I scored Martha Stewart and Oprah Winfrey as clients mm-hmm. in the same year. Mm-hmm. It's not because of my personality. It's because right. they were seeking out this kind of work that right. does work. I wanted to get to a point where I wasn't stuck in a room five or six times a day reaching four or five, six people and four or five, six animals. I wanted to get it out there. So the spirit of animal healing takes it to a higher level. And that higher level spirit has two meanings. This, Mm -hmm. you know, in the spirit of healing Mm -hmm. and the spiritual connection. Right. So it's both. So it goes into You know, one of the papers I wrote and some of the greatest cases I've ever, ever documented and turned around ever. Mm -hmm. The people that came to me knew their their pet was going to die. They didn't know why they were there. And they were told that their pet was going to die. So in order to give that dog or cat a chance, we had to first reestablish hope. Not false hope, hope. And that gets into the spiritual aspect. The connection between animals and people. How many, you know, there were probably over 50 perceptions in the physical universe. How many radio waves or gamma rays are hitting your body right now? I have no idea. No idea. Can you feel them with skim? Nope. No. We're limited to the physical universe by five senses. You know, it, it said, Mark Twain said, the, the function of the human brain is to serve as a filter for incoming knowledge because without it, you couldn't stay human. So it's considered we're maybe 10, 12, 15% conscious of our physical environment. It is known and proven that the animals have senses beyond ours. They can tell it when you're going to seizure up to 24 hours. They know when a tsunami is going to hit. They know all of this. They're, they're now detecting bladder cancer and all of that. 
So on the spiritual level, what's going on between people and their companion animals? If I were to take an infrared photograph called a Curlian photograph of you and your dog, I wouldn't see two mm-hmm. physical bodies. I'd see two overlapping energetic fields that you can't see. So that's mm-hmm. what this book gets into, the spiritual yeah. aspect and relationship between people and their animals on the level of interest mm-hmm. and on the level of love, but especially on the level of health and disease therapy. See my dogs? Are those you your pups? Them? I know. How many dogs do you have? I have three. Rescues. Three. Yeah. Oh, That's where we go. Not breeze. Yeah, me rescue. too. Me too. My guy's a rescue. And then yeah. something that, you know, you said you watched it. I did. The dog doc. Yep, I did. I rented it. This it easy. movie is a trip. This was a really dear friend of mine who brought her Sharpay to me mm-hmm. after it was recommended to put Coco to sleep mm. 30 years ago because of consistent high fevers, drugs, mm-hmm. antibiotics, aspirin, steroids. And then finally the veterinarian said, you should think about putting Coco to sleep today. And she was crying in a pet store. And the owner of the store came up to her and said, what's the matter? And she told him, and she goes, have you called Marty Goldstein? She goes, who's that? Mm-hmm. She called my office. I called her back Friday night at 11 o'clock at night. Because that's how busy I was. And she goes, you got to be kidding me. My own doctor doesn't call me, let alone a, a doctor I never met. And I said, what's wrong? She told me what's wrong. And I said, don't you see that Coco's immune system is trying to do something and you keep on stopping it with drugs? And she said her life changed right there. Fast forward, mm-hmm. we took Coco off the drugs, put it on supplements. Coco went through the fever and then became a puppy lived years and years and years. Mm. So later on in life, she started to to do films. Mm -hmm. She did a film called Buck about the original Horse Whisperer. It made the shortlist of the Academy Awards. I I haven't seen it, but it sounds familiar. Yeah. Oh, you must. Okay. All right. Yes. I'll put a link to it. Buck Brown. And then after she was done with that, she came to me. She goes, you're next. So she filmed in my clinic for three years. It was so stressful. You'll see it on my face how stressful it was. You know, I, I, I looked seven years ago. I looked 10 years older because of the stress of having the film crew for three years straight with cameras and lights. And, you know, these people coming in from all over the United States with their animal dying. They don't want to look at a camera. I was going to say. And. It was winning awards in film festivals all over the United States. And it premiered in New York City, scheduled for three movie theaters in Hollywood. And the next day, COVID shut the theater. Oh, my down. gosh. Right. Yeah, it would have been listed for an Academy Award. It would have been shortlisted. But it's, it's great. My biggest joy is in the f- film festivals I went to all over the United States conventional veterinarian showed up in the audience and every single one that came up to me and there's dozens gave me the thumbs up and said, you did it. This shows the need and representation of true integrative medicine, right? Not just the other side of the coin. Right. And Dr. Palmquist makes an appearance in it. Right. I, I, he's not my vet, but I live in Los Angeles and I think half the people I know see Dr. Palmquist and they love him. I've never heard, I've never heard some anything remotely awful about Dr. Palmquist. So I've never seen his face. We won't ruin it, but (laughs) it is the best scene in the documentary on how he and I. Yeah. I am not going to say anymore. I don't want to ruin the punch. Yeah. It's pretty cute. Yeah. So I want I do want to touch a little bit on you. In addition to your book, you have your own pet food. Yeah. And you have a freeze-dried food. And I want to talk a little bit about freeze-dried food because um, I think it's something that's really uh, – it's a healthy alternative to what a lot of people choose for their pets. And it's easier for people to wrap their head around than cooking for their dog or feeding, you know, or doing a raw diet, which a lot of people – 
freak out, like grosses them out, right? So I have clients that just can't wrap their head around that at all. So do you want to talk a little bit about the, <laughs> the benefits yeah, of absolutely. a pre-stressed so diet important. and what that looks like? Yeah. yeah, I was I was saving that to the end, but like I okay, said, sorry. Before, <laughs> you know, my goal, you know, it, at the clinic, we were getting uh, fresh, frozen, raw diet at the highest quality from local farm. And we were selling it to our clients and we had our own animals on it. Yeah. But to get that food across the United States to reach millions was literally impossible. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the right. weight for shipping, refrigeration to ship it, refrigeration at the, at the, the, the point of delivery. And, and that kind of food, sometimes you defrost it. And a little bug will show up here like E. coli or salmonella, and they'll shut your company down. So mm-hmm. I was searching for an alternative to reach the masses, you know, came across the freeze drying process and immediately mm-hmm. thought, well, it's not as good as this because it's being processed. And lo right. and behold, was I wrong. So I started to study the freeze-drying process, and found a study on blueberries. Blueberries arrive at your supermarket on a Monday, and they're loaded with antioxidants. And all of a sudden, when they were picked the Monday before, the antioxidant level was here. On the Monday in the store, it's here. By the time you buy it on Thursday, it's here. But if you mm. freeze dried in this study at the time of vine ripening, when it, it ripened on the vine, it retains right. that level of antioxidants for well over a year. So all of a sudden, it's like wow. if you take I did not know that yeah. vegetables and you use and the key words here are not scientifically appropriate, which is what most pet foods are. It's biologically appropriate food. So if you take biologically mm-hmm. appropriate food and you go through freeze drying, you preserve the freshness, you preserve the nutrient concentration, you decrease the weight tremendously, you take the moisture out so the bacteria and organisms and pathogens don't grow, and it stays stable mm-hmm. on the shelf for a real long time. So it's like having five slices of cake and eat it too. And the number one thing that blew me away about the food that we created was how much Mm -hmm. dogs and cats, cats are very finicky, but dogs, (laughs) they went crazy. Mm -hmm. I was getting letters or I was giving it to my clients that had anorectic animals Mm. and they would go, the anorexia is gone. She loves this. Mm-hmm. She goes crazy for it. So all of a sudden, there was a sixth sl- slice of cake. And probably the biggest mm-hmm. joy for me right now, because the food has been out for six years, is the thousands and thousands of thank you testimonials I've gotten over the last six years from people all over mm-hmm. the country, not only in how much their animal loves it, how well they're doing, but how it turned them around. And I'm getting calls to my old clinic from veterinarians saying that they had non-responsive terminal cases where the people went online, bought the food and the supplements, and all of a sudden the dog is normal. Can I sell this food? Can you teach me what you're doing? So, I mean, after almost 45 years of struggle and criticism, I can't tell you how happy life is right now. It's just working. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right because all your all your hard work is really you know it's i think now's the time where people are you know are really making that co- yep. that connection on especially after the pandemic you know on you know how they can live a healthier life right and that 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 healthy life right. filters down to our pets the other thing i mean there's a lot of really good freeze-dried foods on the market right now what i think makes ours different and a very very important thing about feeding animals and the pet food industry is that 
you know, we have a government agency called AFCO under the FDA that sets down the regulations to get a food onto the shelf. Right. So when we heat food, especially the dry foods, the process is called extrusion. And when you heat food, you destroy so much of the nutritional value, the enzymes, the vitamins, some of the minerals, and this and that. In order to make it back onto the shelf, you have to have the full component. So what they do is they add all of these vitamins and minerals and stuff back into the food, unfortunately, in synthetic form. So selenium sulfide, thiamine mononitrate, cotton, ferrous sulfate, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It is proven scientifically that synthetic vitamins are not healthy to the body. They act like chemicals. Mm. And most of even the freeze-dried foods, when you look at the label, you'll mm-hmm. see the good components, and then you see a list of all this other stuff. The company I work with, the geniuses, geniuses in the human field that help me into the animal field, we meet all AFCO requirements for every nutritional substance with only food. That's fantastic. <laughs> you won't see anything in it. Yeah. So we they figured out the different vitamin concentrations of different foods like broccoli and kale and blueberries and cranberries. So the formula is made of food. And one of the biggest trips in my life was two weeks ago. This company is so far, so behind this. And we're reaching so many animals with joy of health that they built me 172,000 square foot manufacturing plant in Wisconsin. Oh my God. And I went out there to visit and film, and I had a 90 minute tour of the processing of this food, and I was blown away. I still lose sleep over it because Aww. I'm so impressed by, you know, I just figured, did I throw it into a freeze dryer? No. Yeah. It took me 90 minutes just to get through the process that they do to make this food. You're wearing masks, hard hats, hair helmets. You're wearing a different color lab coat at each different part of the processing. Your shoes are covered. You're sterilizing your hands. And it was like, whoa, this is better than most hospitals. (laughs) (laughs) The treats, single protein treats that we made, you know, they're like addictive to animals. They go crazy for it because it's what they should be eating. Right. You know, not a, a, you know, you look at some of these, you know, pseudo bone treats that have been Biscuits. on the market for 50 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And you look at it and there's four or five different cereals and sugars in there. Yeah. It's like, don't right. sit and eat this in the wild. Right. Well, we will definitely try your, your freeze-dried treats because we do do a freeze-dried treat over here. And I'm sure he would, my dog Chance would, he looks, he's looking at me right now, would love, would love that. So we will, oh, yeah. we'll get some. 100%, even 99.5% guarantee. 100% yeah. guarantee. And we just came out with these cod, mm. cod things, mm-hmm. two different cod ones. One is three layers of the skin. That's air dried, and they go crazy for these things. Right. And the omega content—it's all just food. Right, right. Is there a difference between the skin and the meat of the cod, as far as like the omega? Is yeah. there like, yeah, okay, yeah. got it. Doctor Marty Pets—it's all under Doctor Marty Pets. Mm-hmm. And everything I did in my my life in my career is all funneled in there now. So if you go to drmarty.com, mm-hmm. it'll filter you there because. I now am not just me. <clears throat> I have this amazing team behind me. Great. And that's how I'm reaching the masses right now because it's a team of dedicated animal-loving people. 
that are so brilliant in this field. I'm not a scientist. Right. You know, my number one criticism over the years, oh, if your cases are so magnificent, why haven't you published? Mm-hmm. Not a publisher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm not a, I don't write scientific articles for journals. Mm-hmm. I'm a clinician. So now I have those people mm-hmm. on my team that help me formulate scientifically diet that I couldn't do by myself. I knew what I wanted, but I didn't know how to get there. You were also too busy saving lives, doing hands-on saving lives to do that. So (laughs) something to be said for that. Um, is there one if there is there one supplement across the board that would like benefit all pets or are supplements something that should be individualized to each unique pet and what's going on with them? Yes and yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's start with which supplement would be the one across the board? Well, that- a healthy intestine leads to a healthy body. And right. the and there's so much science behind it. Uh, you funny, you, you mentioned Rick Palmquist. You know, mm-hmm. after I changed his life to become an integrative veterinarian, <laughs> he actually was mm-hmm. invited to lecture at the Cornell Vet School annual conference that has veterinarians wow. and, you know, lecturing and veterinarians coming from all over the United States. And they invited him to lecture on integrative medicine. <clears throat> and I went up there and I said, whoa, I better go support Rick. He lectured on the microbiome. He gave three or four mm-hmm. lectures and he was voted out of four days of lectures of veterinarians in seven different rooms at the same time, the most popular lecturer. Because the microbiome is the center of the immune system, of the health, of the digestive system, of the hormonal system, of brain function. So, you know, it's now big. The big, you know, buzzword is the probiotics and the prebiotics and the digestive Mm -hmm. enzymes. So, you know, I developed one called ProPower Plus that has all the ones I researched over the years. And it's amazing how many testimonial letters I've gotten of dogs and cats with horrible skin conditions. They went on this probiotic and a week later, their skin cleared up because it is the the center. So if I had to choose one supplement, it would be a really good gastrointestinal supportive supplement. The others, I mean, we developed one called Shine and Luster that has Mm -hmm. every component that I used on the thousands and thousands of allergy skin cases I've had in my career. And it's just working wonders. Uh, But if your dog or cat are fairly ill, don't go on the internet and choose a whole bunch of supplements. Go on the internet and find an integrative veterinarian you can work with. Like I said before, ahbma.org. Right. If you could leave the pet parents with one one thing to empower them. You saw the documentary, My Pet Collection. Cindy, who did the documentary, she actually spent a real lot of money to bring a professional into my office right. to go through my drawer, clean it out, put beautiful <laughs> cloth down there, and put all of my pens. I have three, 400 amazing I saw that. For a six-second clip in the documentary. But the forerunner of my pin collection uh, was in when I was at Cornell, and it was a button collection. And I wore buttons every day. Balloons, psychedelic buttons. (laughs) But there was one button I always wore every single day, and I could just run to my desk and get it. A little yellow and black button, and it said, question authority. Mm. And I didn't know it back then, but I was questioning the authority of conventional medicine in my own health care. And I don't want, 
I'm not saying you should go against your veterinarian, but right. like you said, if you had one thing, become educated mm-hmm. on, you know, biologically appropriate nutrition for a dog and cat. Become educated on true vaccine needs for dogs and cats. And discuss this with your veterinarian. Become educated because in their favor, they are so darn busy, they don't have time to become educated a lot of times. They're working 15, 16 hours a day. Cancer doesn't know holidays or weekends. And then if they oppose what you know to be true, question authority. Bring it up to them. And if they don't accept it, go somewhere else. Because your companion animal's health is worth more than the ego challenge between you and your veterinarian. And I'm not against the vets. I'm teaching a lot of them right now. All the things that they're now accepting that I, I learned the hard way. No one taught me. I was the first in the country. It was hell. <laughs> yeah. It was hell. Let me tell you. Right. A good hell. Right. Well, thank you. Is there anything else that you want to add that you think we we didn't cover or need to cover? Yeah. One last thing. Yeah. This whole insanity that that grain-free diets are causing dogs' hearts to fail. Yeah. It's a blithering insanity. First of all, show me scientifically what components in grains a dog or a cat need for their heart. No. So it skyrocketed on the internet from an FDA, and an FDA wasn't even claiming against it. So here's the scoop. The reason that grain-free diets, and I covered it really well in the spirit of animal healing, is is linked to what's called cardiomyopathy in dogs, is what their substance, first of all, the quality of the protein in these diets is horrible. They're not getting the protein especially the taurine and the L-carnitine amino acids in the protein that they need. What they're using to substitute for the grain, a lot of legumes like peas and potatoes, they're loaded with what are called lectins, which block the absorption and utilization of taurine, the amino acid needed for heart function, across the intestine. Other theories is that these Things also contain mycotoxins or fungus kind of products that damage the heart. And my own, from my own research that I was able to back up in order to write it in the book, is that the chemical glyphosate Mm -hmm. or Roundup, made by our dear Monsanto company is causing so much damage to our planet, to our human race. Do you know that the studies glyphosate level tested in dogs urine was 30 times greater than in human urine? Do you know how many lawsuits are being won right now by humans getting non-Hodgkin's leukemia or lymphoma from glyphosate? Glyphosate also damages the heart muscle in studies I found. So all of these substitutes for the grain that are put in to these grain-free diets are loaded with glyphosate, and they're also probably damaging the heart muscle. So that's it. It's well-documented. In my book, not only by me, but I had Dr. Karen Becker, who was a trip, mm-hmm. write her two, three, four cents on it, too. And not only the, the, the number one thing that bothers me about this is not only mm-hmm. how many people 
have to go out and buy grain-based diet because they're afraid their dog mm-hmm. is going to get hurt by it or their dog has a heart condition. But the amount of my clients that were feeding perfect biological, biologically appropriate diet mm-hmm. that all of a sudden were adding cups of rice or corn to that diet, mm-hmm. there was something in there that their dog's heart needed. No. (laughs) Right. So that's my last two cents. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate this. Yeah, keep up the good work yourself. This is, it is so needed that people like you were doing this. I appreciate that. Thank you. A pleasure. Anytime. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Baru Podcast. As always, I've put links in the show notes to some of the great things that Dr. Marty and I chatted about today, including his wonderful documentary, The Dog Doc. So don't forget to check that out. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to rate and follow the Baru Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at Baru Podcast. And if you have a story of canine companionship that you want to share with me or a question or even a comment, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, charlotte at thebaru.com. All right, you guys, let's chat soon.